Welcome to the Ramp Church Podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church forward slash mcr or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. Thank you, Josh. Well, it's great to be here today. It's wonderful to see your faces in person. Let us not forget that a couple years ago we were looking at each other on screens. I feel like we could still run around this room celebrating the fact we have the opportunity to come and see and touch each other in person. Um, and so I'm still happy about that. And uh, for those of you watching online, we're, we're glad you're watching online and we're fully convinced that God can, can meet any hungry heart wherever that hungry heart is tuning in. Um, he responds to hunger, right? So we're going to continue just talking a little bit about um, the commitment we have to love God first and foremost, to love our neighbor as ourself, and to really be a people committed to God, his people, and his mission here, why we've all been brought together. And, you know, I think one of my favorite things to meditate on even about Ramp Church is um, just how God has directed our steps together. I mean, look around this room, the vast differences in this room. Um, different, you know, different people, new people, people who, who were in our living room when we first started and all sorts of different stories, how we came here, how we came to this city. But our understanding on why we're here is really quite limited, you know, and we can think of natural reasons. Well, we had a job here after uni or we were born here or gosh, I'd love to leave here, but I can't get out, you know, all sorts of reasons why we're in this room. But this overarching storyline that brings us together is that we're the children of God. We're the righteous ones filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's directed our steps together. Right, the psalmist says it beautifully in Psalm 32 that he directs the steps of the righteous. Or Paul puts it this way, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And so whatever your, your reason is of even being, maybe you're just visiting today, we still have this faith that God has actually led you to this space. And if you're part of Ramp Church, if Ramp Church is your, your home church where you're rooted and plugged in, then I believe that God has led you here to be a part of this family. And maybe you originally came because you knew somebody or because it was walking distance from your house or because you thought so-and-so was cute and they were going. Whatever your natural reason, there's this sovereignty of God that's behind you being here today. And I want you to even be able to exhale and rest in that a little bit. Remember last week, I, I, I was reminded of the story of Hagar, right? Where the angel of the Lord shows up to Hagar in the wilderness, in the desert, and says, where have you come from and where are you going? And sometimes we get in the presence of God and we get in the people of God and it takes a little bit of awakening for us to even realize, wait, where am I? <laughs> you're in the church, you're in the people of God. And there's a church for you no matter where you live or, who you, or what your assignment is, there's a people that you're assigned to connect with. Um, and and that, that will maybe look different ways, but it will mean like actually being in relationships so you can actually love people, right? Because if one of the, the most important commandments that's equal to loving God is to love your neighbor, then you have to come out of hiding and be around people to love people. You've got to get out of isolation to be able to love people. I mean, as much as we like to convince ourselves that we can love people from a distance, 
We're smarter than that. Deep down, we know you got to get up and close. You've got to get up close and personal to really love people. And that we can't experience the fullness of everything Jesus died to give us without that connection to people. Because he died to reconcile us to God and man. So we're on this journey together of being able to um, just lean into coming out of lockdown, re recalibrate ourselves to the priorities of God and recommit ourselves to not just the presence of God, but the people of God. You know, and I, I've said this before, and I, I think you guys who are parents, you will understand this. And anybody who has a passion, like you love someone very dearly, if someone's close to you, you know that they will also, to some degree, they will love who you love. So like people who come to, to Joe and I, you, you guys love Joe and I, well, you love our kids as well. And it would, be, it would be hard to swallow, like you saying, oh, I love you, Pastor Joe, Pastor Stacy. I'm committed to you, but your kids, they've got issues. I don't want to be around them. Don't put them in the youth group. You know, just like, I want to be connected to you, but not connected to your people, not connected to your kids. Obviously, that would be a little hard to swallow, right? In fact, I'd probably be like, get out of here. I don't want to be around you. <laughs> because there's this understanding that to love God is to love what he loves and hate what he hates. To love him is to love the people that he died for. And this is all even in 1 John. I think 1 John just most beautifully paints this picture. In every chapter, it's just like a slap in the face of our love for God is expressed, made tangible through our love for people. And the author, I, one of my favorite books called um, Reese Howell's Intercessor, the author of that, Norman Grubb, he says that we actually, we don't actually love the Savior one bit more than we love the least of those he died for. So he's painting this really, the same picture that First John is painting, right? You can't love God and hate your brother. He's saying we actually, the, the, whatever, think of the person that you love the least. Okay, this is about to be painful. <laughs> I'm even like, oh, Lord, I don't want to say this because <laughs> it's convicting to me even. Okay, whatever, whatever grinds us most, it's like that's the actual accurate measure of our love for God. And, and our, love, our love for God is meant to be this overflow, right? We see what Christ has done for us, and we're transformed by that love. We see and behold, and it's revealed, and from that, we are changed. Our behavior is changed. And if we don't see that we were still sinners when Christ died for us, that he loved us when we were utterly unlovely, we were rebels. We were like, as Hosea put it, the unfaithful bride. That's our condition before Christ. That if we don't really get that revelation and we're just trying to love people out of our own good behavior and our own reasoning and our own understanding, we will be perpetually disappointed. We can't perform up to that level. It takes a revelation of the love of God to help us love each other. And it takes a revelation of the love of God to drive out the fear in us that makes us wanna stay in hiding. So I've been praying for all of us as we've you know, and I know so many of you are maybe new to Ramp Church, and I know everybody in here can relate what it's like to be in a new space among new people. And um, in that, that's scary, and, and even some of you who ha are, have been here for years, and even me leading it, it's still scary sometimes to be in community, right? Because we're all in process of learning how to love. 
We're all having to learn how to love like God loves us. It's this ongoing, unfolding revelation. And remember I talked about last week, it's not like this download that we get, this complete download when we give our life to Christ. We get this complete revelation of the love of God and it completely transforms the way. It's this progressive maturity from infancy to maturity. Hello? Sorry guys, just bear with us. All right, that demon got cast out quickly. Praise Jesus. <laughs> it may not come back. <laughs> Sometimes I think demons hide in sound systems. But let's just thank God that we have wonderful sound people who have authority over those tech demons. So well done. Um, so what was I saying? Yeah, the process of infancy to maturity. You don't come to Christ and come out an adult, a mature stature. In fact, you can't even measure up to the full stature of Christ on your own anyway. Ephesians 4 says that it's when we're joined together that we measure up to the full stature of Christ. So we need each other because we need to walk in the fullness of everything God's commanded us. And we need to walk in the fullness of everything Jesus desires for us. And we need to grow. And and so last week we talked about, well, what does it mean to be a family of God? It means that we first have to believe that we're a part of the family of God. We've got to believe that. And our beliefs are impacting our relationships far more. What you believe about yourself and what you believe about the people you're connected to, that is far more impacting than those actual people. And it's far more impacting than than even the circumstances that you are in because you're always acting out of your beliefs. So as we're growing in Christ, we are learning truth and the Holy Spirit is leading us into all truth, setting us free so we can be these accurate representations of the love of God here on earth. And we talked about believing that we're a part of the family of God and how Jesus is bringing, you know, clarity to even who are those who are in his family and how that family is meant to equip us for the work of the ministry, that it's not just about having social connections. It's bigger than that even. We're equipped by being connected to each other. And it's about accountability. It's not just the fun, like, you know, the fun encouraging bits and the great prophetic words and all those, all those things that are important. It's about accountability because where there's commands and commitment, there has to be accountability. And we all kind of shrink back a little bit about that because nobody likes, you know, to be called out and held to a standard. But in the, in, at the end of the day, I know that one of the reasons why we're all here is because we want to grow, right? And we, we would probably very easily agree, I mean, word of God aside and everything in the word of God aside, that growth does take accountability. And even Solomon, gosh, when you read the, the book of Proverbs, just the stark contrast between the wise and the foolish. In a nutshell, foolish people don't listen to correction. Wise people do. You know, he just like makes it very, very simple there. He's like, you re- if you refuse to listen to others, he's got some very clear words about, you know, how, how arrogant, how pride comes before a fall, how pride is unable to listen to the voice of others, and it despises correction and despises discipline. But the wise, they seek correction, and the wise, they seek discipline, and they seek to understand. And all those that contrast how if we're going to grow in wisdom, we have to be okay with accountability. So accountability was another thing. And then we ended about encouragement and how much encouragement is just so desperately needed in today's world, in any of the world, any part of the world, and how we in our own selves, we 
constantly feel that need, right? The courage to be who God has called us to be in a world that doesn't value that. And coming to the people of God and being connected to the people of God should instill this courage in us to be and become who God wants us to be. So I want to carry on with that theme, but I want to start with John 17. Now I just want to, again, emphasize the people that you're connected to here. Maybe you're visiting the people that you're connected to in your, your, um, your community back home. That you're assigned to have this people that in Ephesians 4, Paul says that Jesus has joined together. And that as Jesus himself has joined these different parts together, as he joins us together, and then it says as every part does its work, the whole body becomes healthy, growing, and full of love. And this is God's desire for us as a community to be healthy, growing, full of love. And that sounds amazing, doesn't it? And, you know, but then look, okay, let's, that is definitely, God's able to do just that. God's perfectly competent to bring about this body of believers that he's this bride of Christ that's united together. And sometimes, again, we just have to go back and say, do we believe that we can be healthy, growing, and full of love? Do we believe that we can be a unified body? That we can be a community of people that is unified in spite of all these differences and different cultures and backgrounds and stories and people not, you know, all of us still carrying brokenness that's in the process of being healed. And one of the things that I just want to uh, just remind our own beliefs is that Jesus actually prayed for this. Now, I have confidence that God hears and answers prayer, not because I'm powerful, but because God's listening. The other person on the line is capable, okay? <laughs> so I have confidence. But then when Jesus asks for something, I have like confidence through the roof, right? If Jesus is praying, the Son of God who has perfect unbroken communion with the Father and revelation of the Father is asking something, then by golly, like I think pretty good likely that that could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John 17, Jesus is praying. And in verse 20, he says, I'm praying... Not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So here he's praying for us. If you're a believer, you're in this prayer. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Now that, pause right there. One, like, okay, just I pray that they will be one. You know, that's kind of abstract, right? And we're like, we can maybe even hope for that. Like, there's some general loose oneness. This hopeful, like, maybe we can just look back and say all these cultures, backgrounds, people, personality, preference, styles, denominations, they can be one. Hallelujah, because God's going to do it. But then he says, just as the Father and I are one. That kind of oneness. Okay, now I'm pulling my faith out of the grave and I'm like, come up higher faith. That people of God, people in this room, and I have to like slap myself and remind myself of this. 
Okay, because I hear the pastoral, some of the issues and the differences, and, and it's over my head and over my pay grade to sort all that. And I just take it to God. And I'm like, Lord, Jesus prayed that these people would be one. I don't know how you want to do it, but I'm going to agree with his prayer. Lord, make us one. One mind and one accord, just like you and the Father are not fighting each other's agendas or preferences, and you're not in disagreement, but you are in perfect agreement about the will of God on the earth. That kind of unity is possible for us. Not this like elusive, like, ooh, that spiritual oneness, like this, we are about our Father's business. One mind and one accord. Not that we all like the same color and we all like the same food and we all, but we have this kingdom culture, this revelation of what Jesus has done for us, this belief in what he's done for us that then affects our behavior. Because the truth is, whether we behave that way or not, if we're believers, we are one. He already did it. He united us in Christ. He baptized us in the same spirit. We rose when he rose. All of that happened to all of us in Christ. We have one father. So it's already there. It's already happened. So we're just trying to behave out of that place. He's made us one, one family. We would agree that's a finished work in Christ. So how are we then, our believing of that's possible, that's already done, I'm then getting that belief so deep in my bones, seeing what God sees, that it begins to impact the way I see each of us, each of us as a whole. So Jesus is praying, let them be one even as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This unity is like this evangelistic sign and wonder to the world. In such a divided world, in such a cancel culture, this unified diversity is just this sign and wonder. There must be something more. So I have given them the glory that you gave me. This is in verse 22. So they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Mind-blowing. God loves us as much as he loves the Son. Oh, the beauty of that gospel statement right there. And the freedom as well, because, man, we, know, we all know we didn't do, we were in the mind of God there, but he loved us before the foundations of the world even began. Before you were even trying to follow him, he loved you. And he's brought us all together and we're unified in what he has done. So then I want us to go to Romans 12. So the book of Romans now, fast forward in time, and Jesus has already ascended to the Father, and the Spirit has descended in Acts 2, in Pentecost. And the book of Romans was written by Paul, but Paul had actually not ever been to this church in Rome. So unlike his other epistles where he's been and he's visiting and he's carrying on this conversation, in Romans, Paul is writing to a church 
that uh, most theologians believe started because some people in Pentecost, they came to Jerusalem for that feast and they were there at Pentecost. They were there for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they went back to Rome and they started a church in Rome. And so now Paul's writing this, this letter to them and he's not been there in person. And it's kind of this broad stroke of his theological, his doctrine. He's introducing himself. He's stating the gospel. And then he's after kind of the first part of Romans about everything that Christ has done. He's then getting a little bit into the nitty gritty of how that's working out in people's lives. But the unique thing about Rome was of course it's this church that is composed of both Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles are in this church and back, I mean, if you understand the Jewish culture, there are very vast, not just like different, but opposing ways of life to the Gentile way of life. So big differences. And all of us here in this room, I'm sure we have many differences. We come from different cultures, but, but unlike the Jewish culture, like I'll eat anything that you want to serve me, right? Our, our food, our diet isn't necessarily so strictly limiting that these people, they, they were struggling to see how they could even eat with the people in their church. And they had days that they were calling holy, and then these, some of these people are, are eating food sacrificed to idols. And there's like, there are so many differences working into the daily life that it's a huge issue. So Paul is now, okay, living out, helping bring Jesus, the transformation of God's spirit into this church that he's not met in person. And I want us to pick up kind of in the middle of those big differences. So last week I referenced in Romans 12, the first three verses that's talking, we were talking about equipping and how when we come to Christ, it's this mind renewal process and we're changed by the way we think. And we're in all of us right now, we are in this mind renewal and we will forever be renewing our mind. So let's skip and let's start in verse three. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Verse three. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now that statement is powerful no matter how you read it. But when you see the context that he's speaking into of this new church with Jews and Gentiles living in um, Rome, right? This very pagan, like very different way of life from Jews. And you see what Paul is saying here. It just has even more impact. And as you ramp church, as you're being brave and you're putting yourself out there and you're trying to make yourself accessible, trying to position yourself to love the people of God, you're going to see lots of differences. And what you choose to believe in the midst of those differences will impact your trajectory of relationships. If those differences and those feelings of, oh, I don't know if I fit. Oh, I don't know if I'm, well, you need to, you need to know from the Lord, right? And discern where God wants you, but you're still going to wrestle with feelings, right? Because in every inter interaction that you have with people, you've got this emotional man 
And I don't care how suppressive you are, they're down there somewhere, okay? And these feelings may come up and they're like, ooh, gosh, I don't know, Lord, this is quite different. You know, these people, they're eating food from all sorts of places. And you said to Moses, you know, Deuteronomy, you made this really clear. And all these objections in our mind, right, of how we can really fit together. So then you have a choice. It's the choice of are you dictated by your feelings or are you dictated by the will of God? We are meant to have these feelings that serve us, but they're not meant to master us. And if I was led by my feelings, I would have left every place I've ever been assigned. I don't know if God has ever assigned me to a place and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is perfect fit, right? No, because some of us, all of us are different. And even when we have some of those reasons why God puts us in places that feel so different, it's because he wants us to rub off on people different than us. And he wants people that are different than us to rub off on us because he's creating something. He likes the colors to blend a little bit. So we've got to choose Ramp Church to make his desire bigger than our feelings, bigger than our preferences. We can't let feelings dictate if we retreat or engage, retreat or engage. I mean, I've been there, done that, and it's a really back and forth life. <laughs> you're feeling it, and you're not feeling it. You're feeling it, and you're not feeling it. And nobody can track you. You're like everywhere for six months and then you're in hiding for six months. And I can't keep up with all your sabbaticals and your rest because you're living by a feeling that you don't fit. And so that's this double-mindedness in you. So we are all like Paul, okay? And it's a process where in Ephesians 5, he says, try to understand what the Lord wants. And understanding, yes, that somehow, some way, God wants you connected to people. And no matter who or where that connection is, your roots, it's going to take time for roots to go in. It's going to take time. And then no matter where or who you are in the world, you're going to have to make an effort for peace and an effort for unity. So then go down in Romans 12. So then he talks about the different gifts in 6 through um, 8, and I'm going to skip over that part. And then he goes to verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. Honor, the culture of honor is so important for, for all of us. When we have a culture of honor, we can receive from anybody. But when we don't honor and recognize the value and the gifts of God on other people, we shortchange ourselves. So you can actually be so impacted by peers, by other members of the body of Christ, not just leaders or people. You know, you can be impacted if you are hungry and you honor the fact that there's gifts inside of them and there's a spirit of God inside of them. And I'm going to be humble and I'm going to hunger for that and pull it out of them. So take delight and honor each other. And there's loads of differences and you're not gonna see eye to eye. I mean, in Romans 14, Paul says in Romans 14 where he's really getting down into these differences. <coughs> I didn't put this verse up on the screen, but I just wanna read it. 
real quick, Romans 14, 5. This is in the ESV. He says, one person esteems one day as better than the other. And then another esteems all days alike. And each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So then let us pursue, then he goes down in verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And I love this because he's got these differences in the churches about days that are holy and days that are not. And he's not saying, oh, don't care about anything. He's saying each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So he's talking to this church and he's saying, still be a people of conviction, but just realize some of those nitty gritty details about holy days and food sacrifice, you're going to feel differently about that. But you can be fully convinced and have conviction and still, a few verses later, pursue what makes for the mutual upbuilding of everybody. So he's saying, be a person of conviction, but keep the main thing the main thing. Be a person of conviction, but be mature. Know what really matters. And you know this, and, and you, know, you do kids' work, right? You're with, you're with kids, and if you work with little young girls as well, it's like these relationships, right? They become like obsessed and upset and very worried about things that do not matter. I mean, can anybody relate to this? If you've worked with kids, you're amazed at how upset they can get about something so stupid. And what is that? It's, well, I mean, you can try to help that. It is good to have teachers and people helping that. But sometimes you just got to let them grow up. You just let them grow and just shout from upstairs, keep growing. We'll see if it's worked out in five years time. <laughs> And some of you, you will, you will feel differently about things strongly. You need to be a person of conviction. But you don't need to let that holy day that you're celebrating and they're not celebrating become an issue that divides because then you're not keeping the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. So down in verse, um, yeah, let's read verse, starting in verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And I love that because, again, that's a picture of why we're all brought together. It's, it's bigger than our own personal fulfillment. It's bigger than having a thing to hang out and people to go see. It's, it's, it's wonderful and it includes all that, but it's bigger than that. It's about the work of the Lord. It's about being about our Father's business. That is why we're united together. And in the process of doing the will of God the way God would want us to do it, we find this joy and this fulfillment. So we are pressing in to have that. 11 verse 12, it says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Remember the context that he's talking into. A church he's never been to. He's giving a broad stroke about what it means to be a believer, what it means to be saved by faith, what matters most, how that works into your nitty-gritty. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. He's speaking into two groups of people that have historically been hostile to each other. They've never meshed. They're like oil and water. So he's speaking into a congregation of Jews and Gentiles. And he's saying, I want you to practice, be eager to practice hospitality. He's saying where there was a closed door, there's now an open door in Christ Jesus. There was a closed sign, Jews couldn't mix with Gentiles. Now there's an open sign because of the new family God's making. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. 
Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. So in verse chapter 14 where he's saying, be convinced. Don't be double-minded. Have conviction. I love this. This is important. In your convictions about what you feel that are different, just remember you don't know it all. You don't know it all. None of us do. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This is how some of these beliefs will look when they get worked out. When we believe we're the people of God that are called to this city for a move of God, when we believe we're joined together because we have one Father, when we believe we're this family of believers because we do the will of God on the earth, just like Jesus said, those who hear and obey his Father, that we are one family. This is how that looks day-to-day life-like. This is this beautiful picture of the kingdom that we are already a part of, And we're here kind of as artists trying to paint that picture for a world around them. So they look at it and they want in. They want in. They will see our unity and it will be otherworldly. And they will wonder what is it that they have. That although they're from different cultures and different families and they have even different beliefs about certain little nitty-gritty things, they seem to be united about this thing that must really be bigger than all of that. And it brings people in. So how do we posture ourselves moving forward? First of all, I want us as a community, three H's that I'm going to close with, okay? The first one is humility. Humility. I need this. I need these people that God's connected me to. If you're not humble, you're like Jericho. Nothing goes in, nothing comes out. (laughs) It's all about you in the end. You're cut off from the lifeline. But humility opens us because it identifies in us a need that we have. The need is already there, but it's us acknowledging the need. So we know that in community and the people of God and even the work of God, that we need that. And when sometimes even in marriage, okay, if Joe and I aren't seeing eye to eye, and we're, we're not seeing eye to eye, and I just have to go and get sitting and I said, I need him. I need his different perspective. We're better together. I just state the obvious out loud out of my mouth. And some of you, when you're getting in a relationship and you're not seeing eye to eye, you just need to take a little time out and say out of your mouth, I need the people of God. God's led me here. I'm not led by feelings. God's will's bigger than my feelings. I'm not dictated by my feeling that I need to fit. I'm dictated by the will and the word and the spirit of God. Fitting is not ultimate. We can't exalt that over where God assigns us. So we have this humility. I need this. This hunger. I want this. I want what you want, Jesus. I want to be connected and joined together to these other parts of the body. 
I want to be one as you prayed that we would be one. I want to measure up. I want to do my part across the city to measure up to the full stature of Christ. I need this. I want this. And then hope. This is possible. This is possible. Come on, we, we have to see, and hope sees things differently. Hope says that all of this is working towards this glorious good that's going to be unveiled. And listen, I even love how Paul closes this in Romans 15, verse 5 and 7. So he's now getting to the end of the book. And in uh, Romans 15, starting in verse 5, now he's praying, okay, he's wrapping it up. He says, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fittings for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that little prayer. It's like Paul was like in the spirit, and he's wrapping this up, and he can see with man, this is impossible, getting Jews and Gentiles together in one accord. But with God, so with God, he begins to just write out that prayer of that heavenly vision. God's going to help you do this. God's going to help us do this. God is helping us. That's a very competent source of help that we have. Very capable source of help that we have. So we just have to agree and yield and agree and endure and agree and keep agreeing and being patient and humble and hungry to see this happen. And listen to then in the, the final um, verse here in Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the source of hope. And you know, one thing that's so important, and the band can go ahead and come on up, um, so important in your relationships with each other is you remember who the source is. You're just the conduit. You're just a vessel. But you are plugged into this unending source. And every relational need that you come across, you are simply pointing them to the source giving them taste of the source. You're not their healer. You're not their savior. You're not, you're just a conduit where the Holy Spirit can get through you. And what does that mean? That you're just one little part in that person's story. You're one part. God's going to get through you in amazing ways that blow all of our minds how God's going to get through us. But at the end of the day, we're just little bits and pieces of this huge canvas that God is making. This huge story that he's built. Because that, the pressure, if you ever start to feel that pressure that it's up to you, it's just going to suck the hope right out of you. But God is the source of hope. And he's the one who's going to knit us together to make us effective in why we are here. Oh, and I want us to just close with prayer even. You know, that we can as a community keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Joe to come up. But Lord, we just, we just want to close with saying, Lord, we humble ourselves before each other, before you. And we want to be even more humble, God. We don't want to think we know it all. We don't want to think we're better than others. 
We want to know, Lord, that our story and our who we are is valuable, but it's part of a whole. And I pray, Lord, that all over Ramp Church that you would make us a genuine people of real love. Lord, that we would delight you, God, in our effort, Lord, to become everything you've already made us in Christ. We pray for humility, God. We pray for this hunger, God, where people have been hurt. I pray that they wouldn't be dictated by pain, but they would see just with fresh eyes your vision and your desire for our city, Lord, for the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. I pray that that vision, Lord, that what you see would just explode in their hearts, Lord, that they would say, yes, God, I want to see that too. I want to be a part of that. I want to make your dreams come to pass. I want to answer your prayers, Jesus. Make us a people that hunger to be the people of God in this city that are unified and united one voice, one heart, one mind, one accord. And Lord, release hope all over this place. Lord, on all the practical obstacles that are even arguing in people's mind right now. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Lord, we just pray. I pray that hope would just, that all of that would just be immersed in the hope of Christ. That this is possible. A unified people revolving around the agenda of God laying down their selfish ambition, laying down their preferences, laying down their, all of that to become and behave like the unified holy nation of God, the priest of God, a people belonging to God. Help us, Holy Spirit. Our hope is in you. And we do, let's just lift up our hands. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you.